All right, I am joined by a man who, for Cardinals fans, needs no introduction, but certainly deserves one, Kyle Odegaard. If you're a Cardinals fan, you should, you you know you certainly know him from his work with the Arizona Cardinals from 2013 to 2021. And in 2021, he went to Compare.Bet, where he is the sports and gambling editor. Kyle, I really appreciate you making time for me. How are you doing today? Doing well. How are you doing? Yeah, it's a good day. You know, uh, spring's, you know, kind of around the corner, which I'm in Georgia, so that spring's probably a little nicer here than it is in, in Arizona. But yeah, man, things are good. There's some excitement, you know, around the Red Sea. Uh, and we're going to talk about the de- that today. So I want to get right into it. You know, a lot of changes have happened in the Cardinals organization since the end of the season, you know, with, with the moving on from Cliff and Kime. And then, you know, obviously the new general manager, the new coach and the staff. And, and everything that's going on with that process. And I'd love to hear what your thoughts are with all that's gone down in terms of the people and the process that we've seen in this time. I think by the end of the season, everybody knew that change was needed. Um, clearly, I thought Steve Kime, a general manager, they needed to move on. I was a little bit on the fence about Cliff for much of the season. And then once we got to the end, it was like, okay, this is inevitable. They need to shift. And just seeing like the enthusiasm of Jonathan Gannon and just kind of like, I don't know, I, I wrote yesterday on Twitter, it's just kind of refreshing to see like the way they're talking about Kyler now, where just there seemed like there was a lot of division within the Cardinals last year. Um, so it's kind of refreshing to see them all coming together, what that means as far as the on-field product, the success obviously wait to be seen, but certainly feels more optimistic at this point. And it, it kind of feels like they have a new lease on life. So I think the fans feel that way. Everybody was a bit beaten down by the last uh, couple months of last season. So yeah, definitely optimism right now. Um, we'll see. I, I think they're definitely heading towards a rebuilding phase. Mm-hmm. So it might take a year or two to pay off, but there's a clear direction now, which is always good. Yeah, one of the things we've talked about with with in my channel with my community is it, it feels like there's a lot of differences in the process going externally. You know, the, everyone's talked about they haven't hired a general manager from outside since Buddy Ryan. And let's be honest, that wasn't really a legitimate hire general manager from outside. That's a really you know a unique situation. We saw how that played out. Um, so it, it really seems like there's some shifts. And I, I don't want to. I know you work for the organization, so I don't want to put you in an awkward position to you know say things about your former employer, but. It, do, are you seeing what we're seeing in terms of shifts in their approach and any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think if you look at the first round draft picks, especially when you're taking Isaiah Simmons, who you plan to play at inside linebacker in the top 10, Zavin Collins in the middle of the first round, another inside linebacker, it's not a premium position. And I'm not saying never take an inside linebacker in the first round, because if that guy's an all pro, then it's still worth it from a value standpoint. But those two guys are not there yet. Don't know if they'll get there. And especially the Isaiah one, like that one, I still look at all the guys they passed on Tristan mm. Orfs and CD lamb and guys that were at very premium positions that you could have really used. I mean, you, you team up CD and Kyler or you get Kyler a, a right or left tackle. To me, that was the big one. Um, yeah. I, I think everybody knows like quarterback, left tackle, corner, pass rusher, and now kind of wide out, those are the main premium positions. And I think that's how you win. You look at the Eagles, they spent all their money and spent all their resources on those positions, and they had the best roster in the NFL. So I think it's something you have to do. And 
they addressed it at times, but you look at the roster last season and I, from the beginning, I'm like, this team is not going to be competitive. They felt like they could make this deep playoff run because of what they did two years ago. They didn't have corners. They didn't have pass rushers. The offensive line was not very good and just felt like it wasn't going to work out. And obviously it imploded more than I thought. I thought, I think I had them at seven wins last season and they ended up with four. Um, But yeah, I didn't like the process from, the general manager perspective from the team building perspective. So we'll see what Monty does, but I certainly like the things that they've said so far. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Uh, And, you know, certainly Monty comes from a place that is known for emphasizing the trenches, so to speak, both of the lines of scrimmage, which is clearly an area of need and also cornerback, as you noted. Um, So I want to talk a little bit about the draft a little bit more. So there's, you know, there's a lot of questions about what the Cardinals should do with the third overall pick, right? You know, do, do you sit there and take Anderson or Carter if they're both there? And if they're both there, which one do you take, which is possible with the quarterback situation in the draft? Or do you trade back for additional draft capital? And, you know, there's arguments both ways. And I'd really love to hear, you know, your thoughts on, you know, what you think the Cardinals should do with the third overall pick. And if you have any, you know, inclinations of what you think they might actually do, regardless of, you know, what you think. Yeah, I think if, if there's two elite prospects, like it feels like there are beyond the quarterbacks, I wouldn't drop too far and miss out on them. It reminds me of actually the Kyler draft where Nick Bosa and Quinn Williams were these two star prospects. And, and I don't think anybody traded down to get away from them because mm. that's great value um, to have somebody like that for five seasons at below market value. Look at Nick, what Nick Bosa is doing right now for the Niners. So I think it it would make a lot of sense to stay at three. And whether you think one or the other is better, I yeah, all things being equal, I would lean toward the pass rusher. So I think Will Anderson personally would be my choice. But I've seen a lot of people that I respect say that Jalen Carter is a better prospect. Um, if that's the case, I don't have an issue taking a defensive tackle if he can get uh, after the quarterback. I'm not taking a guy whose forte is stopping the run at number three overall. Like you've got to rush the passer. But if, if the Cardinals think he can do that, if teams think he can do that, you see what Aaron Donald does. You see what these, you know, really talented defensive tackles do. And you can mess up a game plan with just one player if he's that good. So yeah, I think either one, you can't really go wrong. If, if the, if the evaluation is there, Um, I, I think trading down to four, would be ideal. And I actually did a, my first mock draft and I had that where the Colts need a quarterback and you can kind of you know, call their bluff a little bit like, Hey, are you guys thinking that we're not going to trade with somebody else and you're willing to stay at four or do you need to come up and, and get the quarterback you want? So I think ideally the Cardinals could go down one spot, pick up, you know, a, a mid round pick and still get one of those two guys We'll see where the trade market's at, but that's kind of like the the most ideal scenario to me. Still getting one, also adding some draft capital. Yeah, we've talked about that scenario quite a bit. You know, I do my mock draft Monday live streams. So we game out a lot of these different scenarios. It's a lot of fun for us, a way for us to learn about the prospects and such. But yeah, that that seems like the the dream scenario, right? You trade back a spot, still get one of those blue chip defenders and add draft capital. Potentially, guys, adding a couple starters you know, in the process, if you hit those draft picks, right. So I, yeah, I think that's, that's a great point. We, you know, we in Cardinal rule land definitely agree with you on that one. Um, So another question more generally about the draft, Um, if you had to rank them, what do you think are the four or five top positions the Cardinals should address in this draft? 
I think they're um, far enough away from competitiveness that I wouldn't get so bogged down into certain positions. I mean, I'm not taking a running back ever in the top 10. Like we said, inside linebacker, I'm not, I'm not taking somebody like that in the top 10, unless it's going to be like Luke Keekley or something. Um, But I think generally, like if you can get some quarterback help, obviously edge rusher, you need a lot of help on that defensive line on the offensive line, like they, they have a lot of holes. Um, so I think I would obviously lean toward the premium positions and it seems like a cornerback heavy draft. I think mm-hmm. that second round is kind of right for a corner because if one or two fall out of the first round, you're kind of sitting right there early second. And if you can all of a sudden get edge rusher or a pass rusher in the first round corner in the second, that defense is starting to look a lot better because you still have those safeties, Isaiah is still a talented player. Zavin came along. Um, so there, there are some issues there, but if you can start stacking some good players, some good young players, then maybe that defense turns around. Offensive line is obviously one that they haven't addressed as well as they need to have recently. And if somebody's sitting there in, in round two, or if you trade down in round one, I think offensive line would be something too. So it goes back to what you were saying, trenches and, and corner Wide receiver is interesting depending on D-hop, but I don't know. I, I don't get the sense that they're really going to go wide receiver too early or be you know, too worried about it after all the resources they spent on wide receiver recently that yeah. didn't really turn out. So I feel like, yeah, it's going to go back to the trenches and, and corner, and, and those are the main spots. Yeah, you talked about how we're, you know the team is probably a year or so at least from being able to contend, and I, I definitely look at it kind of that way. It's 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 a process with steps. So, you know, when I've looked at the draft, I'm, I'm with you. Receiver is not a position I've typically looked at them taking early. I like taking someone on day day three, or maybe a guy like At Perry, you know, someone a little bit later who has some upside. But you know, the way I'm lo- the way I look at it is fix the offensive line, fix the defense, maybe get a running back early day three to help spell James Conner a little bit. And if you fix those things, Kyler Murray and the, the pass catching weapons they have can be competitive. And then the next year, then you upgrade those weapons. Right. You know, so that's kind yeah. of how I'm looking at that. So I think, so I, I'm definitely with you on receiver isn't a priority yet. Right. Um, they can work with what they got. And so. it, it's kind of interesting because they put so much emphasis on receiver and kind mm-hmm. of, that was yeah. Cliff's philosophy, right? Like let's get these, these elite skill guys and let them go to work and they missed the evaluation on some of them. So they spent a lot of resources on guys that weren't as good as they thought and yeah. Isabella being the main one. Um, but yeah, I think like I'm with you. I think if you go offensive line, if you get a run game going, like we saw in Philadelphia, like we've seen in Baltimore and don't put all the pressure on Kyler to like be Superman um, I think that's the better way to go. If you can average five yards a carry, and it reminds me of that first season with Cliff when they didn't have receivers at all, basically, and, right. and they were still fine on offense because they could run the ball. And then when you run it and you have protection, Kyler's a good enough passer to make it work even with uh, mediocre wide receivers. So I, I'm, a, I'm with you. I think it'll be interesting with, with D-Hop because the only caveat is Kyler Murray's cap hit is only $16 million this season. And it goes up to, I think, 45 or 50 next year. Mm-hmm. So it's like, normally I would say you're definitely rebuilding this year, but there's kind of that small part of me that's like, okay, this is the last year Kyler is cheap. Are you going to maybe try to go mm. for it quicker and keep D-hop and just try to 
be a little bit more aggressive than usual. I don't think they'll do that, but it just sits in the back of my mind because of right. the, the cap hit of Kyler right now. Well, the, I'll, I think that brings to an interesting point because if you're going to take that approach, which I, I tend to lean towards what you're saying that I look at, I, I know there's, is it reboot, retu, re, I like reset. It's a, it's not a full on, you know, the change of everything, but they're installing the new system and the, the players that fit with that. But if you're going to try to compete, um, in 2023 with taking into account, you know, uh, that looming jump in cap hit from Kyler Murray. Um, it seems like free short-term free agency is the way you do that, right? You know, stop gap veterans guys. Certainly there's a lot of free agents from Philadelphia. Um, so I'd love to hear your thoughts on what you think they might do in free agency and, or what you would do if you were calling the shots. I think what they do and what I would do are probably going to align. I've seen like Javon Hargrave and some of these guys, but if it's me, I'm not spending money on a a 30 year old player. Like they've done that the last two seasons. And you see like, you know, three or four guys from the Cardinals retired this off season because they kept on getting these guys Mm -hmm. near the end. And it clearly didn't work out. I mean, AJ green was a shell of what he used to be and JJ Watt played well, but um he was injured the year before when they really could have used him. So I think they're probably going to just look for value players that are the right age. I mean, I think you look at Kyler's age, he's still what, 25, 26, like let's find guys that are similar to that age and kind of build this up together and, and maybe find guys that are a little bit undervalued and try to mm-hmm. find some deals in free agency and not worry as much about plugging in holes because there are so many holes and, yeah, and we didn't even mean, mention Kyler's ACL. Like, if he misses mm-hmm. several games, how realistic is it to make a playoff push this season? So, I, despite the cap hit thing, I do think they're just going to take it slower. And yeah. to me, it's like, hey, if there's if there's some diamonds in the rough, if there's some guys that you can sign to three year deals that will be part of this growth, that's the way I would go. Not worrying about positions, not worrying about plugging holes. Let's just find good players at good value. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think. Also, having people who can help install the system and culture. Obviously, new coaches often bring in guys from their former, you know, stops, but not always the big names. And you know, like for me, I think the guy that probably makes a lot of sense and fits the description you're talking about, age-wise, and not necessarily a super, you know, expensive spot would be like T.J. Edwards, the linebacker. In this system, they'll probably need another inside linebacker for when they're in those four-three fronts. Although it's it's a multiple front. That seemed, you know, your, your inside linebackers you usually think of as your quarterbacks of the defense. And he's a guy, former, I think, undrafted rookie free agent who played really well. Probably won't be as cheap as we might hope, but seems like a guy you could bring in who would be really helpful as a bridge to installing that. So, um, but aside from that, I'm not, I'm with you. Like, as, as much as we need defensive linemen, I'd rather draft those guys uh, than go with the free agents. Um, I want to, to, before we get out of here, I want to ask something maybe just a little bit different, a little fun. Uh, in in your opinion, who are some of your favorite uh, unsung Arizona Cardinals players, past or present, guys that you think are maybe a little underappreciated, whether it's because of their character or their play or both, uh, that are just kind of, you know, have a special place in your heart? Oh, good question. Well, I don't know. I'm just thinking more from a personality standpoint, more so than like, hidden value or anything like Elijah Penny comes to mind who mm. hardcore Cardinals fans know who he is. Not, full, maybe not. He's a fullback with the giants. Last time I saw him. 
Yeah, um, great guy. He was always fun to talk to. Chase Edmonds, another one of my favorite guys. Uh, actually, a lot of running backs. Don't know why. DJ Foster, who I knew from covering him in high school. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's been a lot of good players coming through, and it's funny, like how NFL guys you see the the one percent that get in trouble or make headlines for being divas or whatever, and Honestly, 99% of those guys are, are really good dudes. And obviously I mentioned a couple, but most of the time you got a locker room full of just like regular guys who mm-hmm. are really good at football, but they're not, they're not anything like kind of the stereotypical thoughts that you have for certain players. Um, but yeah, Chase Edmonds, Trent Sherfield, that, that group, I don't know. I just got along really well with that 2018 group, Christian Kirk, Dennis Gardeck, Ezekiel Turner, and that team was horrible. <laughs> That was one of the worst teams in history for the Cardinals, but they had that group of rookies that I just really vibed with and I enjoy watching their careers and they're all basically all spread out now. A few of them are still there, but uh, got along well with Chase and Christian and all those guys. So it's fun seeing them succeed and, and keeping up with their careers. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I and I'll, we'll end, I'll end on this, but um, you know, I think people, football players are like any other population of humans. There's going to be, you know, a few bad apples. And, but I imagine because of what it takes to get there, there's probably more better character in that population sample of the population than there is in the general population, but we hear the bad news, right? So it's, it's nice to hear about those, those positive things. So speaking of good people, Kyle, I really appreciate your time. It's been great talking to you. I, I love your work. I've followed you obviously since you were with the Cardinals and appreciate uh, the way you approach and certainly your interest in analytics side of things. Uh, I'll give you, you know, just a minute to shout out anything you want or promote anything you want, let people know where they can find you. And, uh, and then we'll, we'll get out of here. Yeah, covering um, a lot of Cardinals still, especially on my Twitter feed, but kind of the NFL in general at Compare.Bet, trying to do interviews with former players and write kind of my opinions on what I see going. But uh, yeah, I mean, you can follow me there. Obviously, follow me on Twitter. I'll kind of just share my thoughts on (laughs) whatever's going on, whatever pops into my head, but happy to engage with people on there and, and enjoy it when people read my work as well. Awesome. Well, if you're not following Kyle Odegaard, you're doing it wrong. He's one of the good guys out there who, uh, even though he's not specifically covering the Cardinals now, clearly, you know, you know where his heart's at when you follow him. So Kyle, thank you again for your time. It's been great chatting with you. And I know my audience really appreciate your time. Sure thing. Thanks, Joe. Thank you.